0: This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Welcome to Decolonize Your Destiny podcast. I'm your host, Ingrid LaFleur. Today, we are talking about decolonizing citizenship with guest Edward Carrington. Edward Carrington is the founder of Mitral Technologies, a digital asset robo-advisory investment retirement platform designed to help the global gig economy build wealth. MyTool leverages unique blockchain protocols that give solopreneurs the ability to create and invest in customizable smart portfolios in order to help them reach specific financial goals like retirement, pay off debt, college tuition, home down payment, emergency savings, and more. I've known Edward for couple, almost a year now actually. Wow. And uh, and it's all because of um, my foray into the blockchain world and he's been uh, an awesome guide and mentor for um, many years. But what really interests me is that he is a the resident of Estonia, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome, Eddie.
1: Thank you, thank you. How's everybody doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure they're fabulous because they're <laughs> listening to us. Oh, this
1: isn't live? Okay, good.
0: All right. <laughs> awesome. So, where do we begin? I'm sure, um, first of all, where is Estonia?
1: It's a great question. Um, Estonia is just... West of Moscow, so it's in the EU, and uh, you know, in regards to uh, a better explanation of it, uh, they call it a a, Nord, a Nordic country, um, mm. but they're located right across the Baltic Sea and uh, Gulf of Finland from Finland.
0: Oh wow! So that's that's like a it's a northeast. So they're yep. they're an Eastern European country, but they're a little north because, or a lot north because they're close <laughs> to, to to Finland. Right. Awesome, and, and it's a pretty small country that has, um, for those of you who might not know, who just kind of like popped up on the scene some years ago yep. because of a lot of the innovation mm-hmm. and. Um, one of it is because of the turmoil that they went through being occupied and part of the Soviet um, Union when they gained their independence. Uh, they kind of did this interesting overhaul where they brought in a lot of 20 and 3rd year olds uh, to kind of guide and shape and cultivate mm-hmm. this really forward thinking government. Yep. Um, yeah. And so then now they're like creating uh, these kinds of. Um, ways to really bring in people and resources to grow their own economy.
1: Yeah, so Estonia is uh, about 1.3 million people um, and they actually uh, are having, having issues in regards to population and, um, you know, less and less individuals are having babies and, um, you know, their population growth is starting to st- uh, stunt a bit. And you know, the concept of the e-residency came came about in 2014 uh, with the uh, assumption that it can help uh, generate a bit more revenue, it can attract uh, more interest into the country, and ultimately, um, you know, gain the attention of uh, individuals who, you know, might be entrepreneurs, might be, um, you know, wanting to start... Uh, start new somewhere, maybe attract those individuals to their country, uh, which um, over the last few years, like you mentioned, uh, very forward-thinking. Uh, this, this e-residency concept is, is, is really uh, something that is a, um, what do you want to call it, uh, first of its kind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they have done a really good job, Estonians, uh, or the the country of Estonia, uh, moving a majority of their their government structure uh, to the cloud, uh, you know, digital, and uh, you know, having the ability to do things like uh, vote uh, digitally, uh, you know, when an Estonian is bo- is born, the baby has uh, an actual digital birth certificate, you know. So those are the types of things that you know Estonia has has really tried to you know kind of implement and be first of. Um. You know.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I really love uh, is the health records are easily accessible by the person. Yep. Right. Like most of us, we have to call a doctor and they hit send those records to wherever, and right. you hope that it happens in a timely fashion, yep. and you don't really get to see or access them, but. What's great about accessing them yourself, the example they give is if you're traveling in, say, Paris and something happens to you, a doctor can easily access those records quite quickly, um, which means that if you have any allergies or any, you know, if you have any um, um, physical conditions, the doctor can know right away. Right away,
1: yep. And, I mean, that, that's, that's just one, one thing that they've, uh, you know, been at the forefront of. And, and, and it, it really got me to a point where I'm like... Uh, I need to, at the very least, uh, you know, kind of do my research on Estonia, try my hand at the e-residency, and and also see where there are opportunities uh, to, you know, kind of incorporate those types of concepts uh, over here in the states. Um, so you and I, you know, at one point talked about um, your concept, the Detroit, uh, the Detroit ID. Uh, I, forget, I, I The Detroit coin. The Detroit coin. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and you know, you had a very, very unique idea that um, you were pulling certain concepts from the e-residency over and and wanting to implement here right into the right in you know the city of Detroit, which um, you know I hope you still look into you know trying to accomplish. But um, you know, you know, just being just being able to you know kind of understand that about Estonia and. And 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 see that has been has been really uh, educational for me.
0: Yeah, you're right. When I ran for mayor, I definitely was looking at um, these very um, forward-thinking, innovative government structures, yep. and Estonia, of course, is like top on the list. And uh, it just seems like because of all the disorganization with our government in Detroit, we going into the cloud and and using um, blockchain and. Ma- <laughs> People voting <laughs> online, mm-hmm. I'm sure the percentage would go up from 15 to at minimum 60% um, because of or, the more. Con- or more yeah. because of the convenience and the ability to do it at any point in time, and it doesn't interfere with your workday. Right. Um, so I want to know, um, Mr. Carrington, um, as a black American man, it feels like, you're probably the last to know about an <laughs> e-residency in Estonia. Please let me know. Like, how did you find out about it?
1: So, <clears throat> so my second startup, which is Mitral, um, we uh, were aiming at the time to, uh, to basically advise individuals on uh, cryptocurrency and set those individuals up with a uh, crypto retirement plan. Uh, you know, some people who understand crypto and, and blockchain might say, you know, that's kind of tough now, especially with tokens and, and coins uh, being very erratic in regards to the valuation of them. But, you know, eventually we we see that uh, stabilizing sooner or later. Uh, and we want to be kind of at the forefront of being able to uh, take advantage of the store of value that some tokens and coins um, uh, offer and, and, and give us the ability to have access to. So, when we started looking into um, structuring the the, uh, the, the startup, uh, we quickly realized that you know if we wanted to do a token raise or um, you know with blockchain being um, in a way outlawed uh, in the, in the U.S. not necessarily to that extent, but you know when it comes to uh, you know those different types of forward thinking concepts, the U.S. regulatory bodies. Uh, have a way of kind of slowing down, um, you know, progress. So we're like, how do we figure out a way to um, alleviate some of those potential issues that we're going to run into? Uh, How do we take advantage of, um, you know, other options that are out there? And, you know, one thing I thought about is, what if we opened up uh, a, a corporation or organization outside of the United States? So the first place I looked into... Was Canada? You know, Canada is about ten, fifteen minutes away from us. Um, I love Canada, uh, but it seemed a little bit challenging to start an entity over in Canada. Uh, to a point where we decided that that wouldn't be uh, at the current um, at the current time. That wouldn't be the op the option for us to take advantage of. Not to mention their regulatory bodies. Uh, although more lenient on tokenization and and token raises and and blockchain in general, um, still had some uh, roadblocks to have to to, to go through. So as we did our research, I came across an article about Estonia and, you know, the e-residency program. And I'm like, this is it, you know. And, you know, once I kind of dug into, you know, like double click that folder a bit more and and kind of did my did my research on uh the potential benefit of being an e-resident. Uh, I said that this is going to be, you know, the the way for us to uh really, you know, not only um, you know, jump start our organization uh and and make it a a, a you know, a local inter- I'm sorry, a, a global business from from day 1, but it will allow for us to scale without too much of an issue regarding you know, the U.S. regulatory powers that be. So I went, went ahead and, and applied for the e-residency. Uh, it was pretty easy, a few pages online. Uh, it's a 100 euro plus a 2 euro card fee. So I think in U.S. dollars it came to about 118, 119 dollars. And, uh, you know, they ask, you know, the basic, you know, KYC, know your customer, um, you know, questions. And they want to have you forward over things like your passport, um, social security card, things like that. But uh, all in all, a month after I submitted online, got the notification that my uh, e-residency card was available. I was approved. Uh, and in order to act- activate it, I have to go pick it up at a consulate of my choice. Now, unfortunately, there isn't a consulate here in Detroit. You know, there's one in New York, there's one in D.C., uh, and a few other places, potentially. Um, But I know for for a fact in the U.S., uh, there was one in New York and one in D.C. So I decided to go to D.C. and pick up my card. So, um, you know, their hours were very weird, they uh, only were handing out your you know e-residency passports or, or IDs or kits um, anywhere from like ten to twelve on certain days. So depending on my flight, if I wanted to make it a one-day trip, uh, I had to be very strategic at you know kind of you know getting to DC, taking the the train, you know, down, downtown, down, you know, in and around the Capitol and finding my way to the consulate, you know, dealing with all this traffic, all these people walking up and down the street. But, um, you know, the day that I picked up my e-residency card, they gave me until 12 o'clock. I got there at eleven fifty-nine. you know, I don't know how I made it, but you know, overall, the process was, was good enough for me to be able to get there before they closed. And, I was I was expecting a lot of people in this consulate. Um I thought that it was gonna be kind of like a bustling uh, you know, facility with tons of people in there, but it was like a town home and people were there were maybe two or three people walking around with their socks on. And I'm like, man, it it, it was kinda like a house, right? And uh the young lady who helped me, uh, she was she was actually surprised that it was a, a black American getting their uh <laughs> Estonian ID as well. So You know, she didn't want to necessarily ask directly, but she's like, you know, or say this directly, but, you know, along the lines of, you know, there aren't that many, you know, black guys that come in here and and get this. So, you Mm. know, I, you know, she thought it was a good thing, you know, and I I didn't take offense to it or anything like that, but,
0: um, but it's, it is, it is surprising. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's a Um, little random. Yeah, it
1: is random. (laughs) And, you know, she, you know, I walked in, had my D-Town hat on, you know, um, (laughs) you know, had my headphones in, just got finished bumping some Gucci Mane, you know, so I was all and no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> but what I am saying is, you know, it it definitely was an experience and um, you know, they definitely were were happy that uh, you know, I went through the process as as well as myself. And I, I do recommend, you know, everybody look into the opportunity because um even if it's a novel idea or a novel benefit for you to have the Estonian e-residency uh, under your belt—it just gives you an opportunity to understand and, and to expand your your horizon a bit mentally and 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 with your business and and just learn about the program because I see this as being the future. Um, you know, imagine being a, a resident, an e-resident of multiple countries, and having you know different benefits uh, of of uh, for being you know a resident of uh, of you know. Whatever, uh, whatever country, you, you know, that might offer this service. So really, really hoping that this, you know, kind of takes off and hoping that, you know, the U.S. takes note uh, because, you know, if from the federal level they are able to implement something, even half or, or a tenth of what the Estonian government has done, uh, it would make our society uh, a lot better, in my opinion. A lot better.
0: Efficient at a at, at minimum.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely more efficient.
0: <laughs> so um, the kit has uh, a card and uh, this kind of USB um, port, but it, like it, um, or not port, but a USB.
1: It's like an encryption thing. Yep. But, <laughs> yep, <it's laughs> but
0: you put the card in, in, the, in the USB. He just handed me the card. Uh, it's very official. It's got a chip. Oh, so the chip and the USB connect somehow. Correct. The picture is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: and so they use uh, cryptography a, mm-hmm. to, you know, confirm and, and validate who you are. Um, you once you get your card and your um, and your kit, you basically plug in your card uh, to the computer. You go to a s- specific website. Uh, you create a pa- a username and password, and the card is basically your key to gaining access to things uh, like opening up a a corporation, Mm -hmm. um, or if you're not American, opening up a business account over in Estonia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that uh, was something that I was hoping that we were able to do. But once, once I dug a little deeper and realized that, you know, the U.S. is a little less lenient in regards to, you know, having having accounts opened in the EU in this manner, um, you know, that was a bit of a bummer on my end, but um, there are methods that we're looking into that will allow for us to still have a, a business account. We just would have to partner with a fiduciary of, so, of sorts and, and pay a, a small fee of, of sorts for them to, in a way, primarily manage the account for us. Okay. So...
0: That's interesting. Uh, the The card has um, multiple <laughs> numbers to identify you, which yeah. is really interesting. And a barcode, chip, a barcode. It's it's a lot going on. It's wonderfully designed, and uh, and it it's called a digital identity card, which is it's really interesting. So it's
1: yeah. I mean, you know, once again, um, you know, the concept of you know taking this ID, plugging it into your computer. And, you know, let's use an example of voting for the mayor of the city of Detroit in your living room. Um,
0: In another country.
1: In another country, (laughs) yeah, right. Now, this does not give me voting privileges. Mm -hmm. I also am not able to purchase real estate um, with this e-residency unless I can prove uh, a certain amount of income coming from Estonia. Um, You know, but, you know, with that being said, like you said, if, if you're... If you're a Detroiter, you travel to Florida for six months of the year, and you're like, you know what? I want to make sure I, my vote counts. Uh, you know, imagine taking this digital ID card, plugging it into your computer, it validating who you are, and you having the ability to to vote while you're on the beach in Florida, right? Uh, or even out out of the country. Um, so hopefully. You know, hopefully the U.S. takes note because it really, really is surprising that in 2019 we don't have the ability to vote digitally. Um,
0: yeah, that al- that alone, for sure. <laughs> um, and I like that you don't, you're not allowed to buy property. I mm-hmm. think for Detroiters, if we were to have a quote-unquote residency of some sort, um, I, I'm sure everybody would be like, yes, we can get <laughs> no property. Stop taking our stuff. Right, good point. Yeah.
1: So, so imagine that though that would be that would be a game changer. Mm. Like, what if you weren't able to purchase real estate in the city unless you were, um, you a know, resident. a resident or you had some direct or indirect connection to one? In that case, you know, now you're in the scenario of you know, Detroiters actually having the ability to to have more say so in the real estate in the real estate market here.
0: Yeah, I um. Speaking of real estate, you're really, really big in real estate
1: big fan of it absolutely Detroit yeah real estate you sure. um
0: I had uh, Edward on my first panel on blockchain technology called Blackchain <laughs> 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 and uh, and you really did focus on um, real estate and the value of it. Can you explain in that in relation to blockchain?
1: so real estate in general. In the city of Detroit, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really the best-kept secret, in my opinion. Um, specifically for Detroiters who want to build wealth. 70% of wealth comes from real estate. And we have, you know, 140 square miles. Uh, we have tons of places that are, you know, anywhere from 7, 8 minutes or less from downtown Detroit. Uh, downtown Midtown is booming right now. Um, and it's really hard to get, you know, property in downtown and in midtown for a good price. But uh, if you look a little east, for an example, I'm a big fan of um, Gratiot, South of 94. And uh, you can still buy homes in that area, you know, for $1,000 and, um, you know, 1500 bucks. And, you know, South of, South of 94 and Gratiot, you're looking at, you know, 10 minutes or less, nine minutes or less from Eastern Market in downtown, straight shot down, down Gratiot. And, um, you know, the closer you, obviously you get, or the the more south you get on Gratiot, the closer you get to downtown. Uh, so, you know, most people know, uh, understand that who who are listening to this from Detroit, but I had the ability just this year, um, to pick up, you know, a duplex for 1300 bucks over in that area, um, a triplex for 2300 bucks, and a six-unit for 3100 bucks. Wow. So, you know, all of these obviously need work. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if you're looking at, you know, making a strategic play when it comes to real estate, um, you know, you have, to, you have to know the market and you have to take chances. You have to take risks. And um, you got to take advantage, you know, especially if you're a Detroiter and you're, you're renting, you know, some, you're renting something here in the city, nothing wrong with renting, but you can buy you a property, you know, uh, maybe stay with your, your family, take that money that you were paying to rent while you're staying in a potentially uncomfortable scenario, maybe in the basement or a room in your family, in in one of your family's houses and, and just slowly build up this unit that you you purchase or better yet buy a duplex you know fix up one side you know move into that and then eventually get the other side going and then rent out the other side or buy a duplex fix up the one side don't even move into it yet still stay into your your parents you know your your family's house rent that out so you can build more more you know generate more revenue and i'm starting to ramble a bit but uh you know these are different strategies that you can put in place in the city of Detroit. If you're, um, you know, not just brave enough, but if you're, um, if you're willing to, to, you know, take that short-term, you know, window of uncomfortability, uncomfortability that's probably not a word, and, 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 you know, really put yourself, set yourself up in a better position for the long term. Now, in regards to blockchain, uh, I am looking at some interesting um, options to, you know, basically parse out um, you know, a unit that I have and, uh, we're still working out some details, but, uh, you know, blockchain and real estate, you know, really can be a perfect marriage, but it, it, it would take a lot on regard in regards to the infrastructure to, you know, kind of get to a point where, um, you know, blockchain and, and real estate can, can really live, um, you know, in harmony, quote unquote, you know, like the, the challenge is with real estate, you got, um, I think the New York market specifically, there were, there were up to 25% of, of titles had incorrect data on them. Indeed. So, you know, if you, you know, don't change the current structure of, of how record keeping, uh, is done and then add blockchain on top of that, it can get, it can get, um, it can get a little bit murky if, a title that, you know, you you put, you know, into a, a smart contract uh, is not um, correct. <laughs> correct or valid in the first place, right? So, yeah. you know, or if you don't necessarily, you know, realize, you don't know that there's a, a um, what do you call them, uh, a lien on your property until you, you know, try to sell a portion or all of the, you know, the the, the, uh, the property, you know, running into that type of, that type of issue, so you know it it has to be like, like the counties you know from the federal side you know it it would have to be orchestrated to to really get these you know these you know these records uh onto uh you know the blockchain and you know from there give us as as uh, investors homeowners uh the opportunity to you know have more power with what we can do with you know, this real estate that we that we own. So
0: Yeah, I love it that you are from Detroit and investing in Detroit. Absolutely. And you're you are actually living the dream which so many Detroiters are, are uh asking for and wanting to see more of which are Detroiters buying um buying up Detroit. Yep. Uh and thank you for uh breaking that down and encouraging us to invest in our communities in in these ways that, because they are stabilizing um, and it is part of the decolonizing process mm. uh, is to buy back the land. And in fact, somebody, and it, this could be, I don't really know for sure, but I just liked hearing the idea that um, indigenous peoples who own casinos are buying up land in, um, up in the UP mm. and uh, in Michigan, upper Michigan. Yep. And uh, so they're buying back their land. And I'm just like, yeah, yes. I mean, it's, Sucks that they have to buy it back, but right. it's great that they have that the capital to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, here it begins. Uh, we're we're gonna begin a new cycle. Yep. Uh, where power is shifting, and uh, yeah, you're at the you're part of the movement, Edward.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm taking <laughs> chances, and uh, that's what it, you know. Take real chances, and uh, you know, hopefully, it works out. Speaking of the UP, I really do. Um, you know, if, if you have never been to the UP. Have you ever been? No. Oh my goodness, it's very nice. You have uh, pictured rocks. Yes. Um, you have, <laughs> you know, tons. Like it's just so many things that you can do. Marquette is beautiful. beautiful.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not a big fan of Escanaba. No offense to Escan- You know, Escanaba.
0: Don't even know where <laughs> You know, I'm I'm embarrassed to say that growing up in Detroit, I was not given the best impression of Upper Michigan. So as an mm-hmm. adult, I'm very slow to learn mm-hmm. about where to go and what to do and um, and don't really have a crew of people who are like, let's go yeah, here and there. Gotcha. But lately, I've been learning a lot more, and that's really great. Yep. Um, Michigan is a beautiful place. If you've never been to Michigan, you should definitely check it out. Um, so I want to ask you a question. I ask every um, guest this question. Okay. Uh, how do you decolonize daily?
1: How do I decolonize daily? Um, you know, it, it, it definitely is not something that is easy to do. Uh, you know, as, as you, you know, kind of go through your day, um, you have to deal with a lot of personalities. Um, you have to potentially fit into, you know, different, different circles. And when I say fit in, I mean even if it's just a conversation, um, you know that somebody is having and they bring you into it you know in a way you're you know even though you're you're providing your your opinion and, and your thoughts, you might have to phrase it in a in a way that uh you know it might not um uh, i don't know um, offend offend anybody you mm-hmm. know so you know decolonization of oneself is is something that um I have yet to be that good at but you know, in, in, in most cases, you know, I, I, you know, it's just, you know, being in my basement, no TV on, uh, just literally just kind of, kind of sitting, <laughs> sitting in, in silence. And, uh, you know, I usually will have a notepad in front of me. Uh, I'll try to write out, um, you know, a few thoughts, few ideas. And I've, you know, I revisit that notepad a lot. And, you know, Unfortunately, when I revisit it is just scattered all over the place, but in a way that is a process that's just helping me, you know, kind of, you know, kind of get the thoughts of of my day out and and I guess in a way it allows for me to reset myself. So, um, you know, I guess that's that's been the current method of success or, you know, when it comes to decolonizing, decolonizing myself. Um, but, you know, do you have any recommendations?
0: you know, I think it's such a personal journey and we live in our own realities, dealing with our own challenges in our own environments, um, sometimes of our creation and not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so the tools that are necessary to deal with are really very unique to that person. But I think we can all learn from each other. And, uh, I personally, um, I decolonize in a lot of ways, uh, and I'm trying to make sure I'm not always in resistance mode. Mm. So I think it's one thing to say I won't engage in X, Y, and Z simply because um I've been brainwashed to do it. Mm. But it's another thing to create your own method for for doing that thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um I might not be into traditional ways for healing certain ailments. Mm-hmm. Um so if I resist, then I must then create the the method that actually does heal. Mm. If it does not heal, then I'm still failing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Um, so uh, so that I think that is a uh, my internal kind of conversation constantly. Um, like, okay, if you're not going to do the thing or do you know engage in this um, in, in in these different spaces, then what what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> That's always uh, a question, and and oftentimes there are moments when uh, you have to question if you are going to compromise in those spaces, Mm. right? Because the end goal might be bigger than the thing, and we don't really want to talk about compromising, right? When we're discussing decolonization, but um, sometimes it's a way to kind of soften, (laughs) (laughs) soften the journey that is often so challenging.
1: Yeah, you make a good point and um you know, I don't I don't think and and from a black male point of view, you know, uh you know, mental health in regards to like black men, like if I were to talk to you know, 10 black men today, you know, I I I would almost I would almost say that 4 to 5 out of 10 of them are are battling some type of mental ailment, mental challenge that um you know would not be looked at uh in a positive manner if they were to exper- if they were to express you know what what they go through um you know to individuals around them you know if that makes sense i don't you know so so what you know so in in a portion of that is due to not decolonizing themselves as you would say um you know I'm not going to say properly, but maybe just not, not even understanding that that is needed. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, I guess need to go through a process to, you know, kind of reset or recolonize ourselves. And I'm not saying that I know how to do it the right way. I'm still trying to figure that out, but uh, there are some people that, that really go through some, some challenges uh, daily that, you know, you and I might go through and, and, and be able to, you know, kind of manage, but um, you know, you know, I have a family member that has a bit of a challenge that um and I don't you know not to go too much in detail, but uh you know he had an issue in regards to um you know how he was being treated on campus when he was in college and uh it it set something off in him and uh it was it was tough for him to manage and deal with but um yeah, so I'm starting to ramble a bit, but just to i guess get back to the point of.
0: But there is a support system that is needed, especially for our younger um, for younger people, because you know he's not necessarily youth; right. he's a young adult, and you're introduced to a different kind of world, um, and the realities of that world can be hard and overwhelming, mm-hmm. and we often. Times either want to skirt around that that's going to happen or it's coming, yep. and and so then we're not preparing our youth for young adulthood and and really um, tackling those those um, those moments, you know, and even if it's just microaggressions that happen mm-hmm. constantly, yep. you, as a youth, I, I you know they, they did happen, but I don't think it happened often and then we're children and it's just a different way of processing right so as an adult it, it can be actually quite serious because now you're in college and you're dealing with reputations you're yep. dealing with your academic mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> your studies and, and uh, it, so it is a different um, level of uh, a different playing field for sure yeah. um, and I have one more question for you okay Uh I'm wondering, I, I believe in the pleasure principle, mm-hmm. and that means that in every moment of every day should be pleasurable. Like, I hope this is a pleasure yeah,
1: moment. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. moment for you.
0: Good. So I was wondering, what gives you pleasure?
1: Pleasure, uh, for me, is not necessarily, um, you know, I, get, I gain pleasure from seeing other people thrive, and, um, you know, seeing other people excel and um, being a part of that process, you know, like that, you know, you know, I, I help mentor individuals or, you know, I might, you know, um, walk somebody through how to, you know, buy their first property, for an example, um, you know, and seeing them succeed with that process. And this might not necessarily answer your question, but You know, seeing them succeed, you know, you know, brings tears to my eyes because it's like, you know, I've just shown, you know, another individual in this example, you know, how to potentially put, you know, food on the table, learn a new skill set, whether it be, you know, with, you know, how to, you know, frame a wall or and I'm not a licensed contractor, but, you know, those types of things when I when I can help upskill somebody, uh, and they, in turn, benefit uh f- you know from that from that assistance that I provided that really provides um you know a form of pleasure to me that uh, is is very um very important for me to uh for me to at- attain and and to continue to keep chasing if that makes sense
0: yes, that sounds like soul satisfying pleasure, yeah. and that 's really beautiful uh, and i'm thankful we 're all thankful that you are. Willing to share your knowledge and skills, I think that's what it's all I appreciate about, that. right? Um, I love asking that question because I think decolonization is work sometimes, mm-hmm. and so I always want to make sure that we're experiencing joy to to balance out our, our lives in this this reality. Absolutely. Well, I want to know how can people find out more about you and Mitul and the work that you do.
1: Yeah, so if you're if you're interested, uh, you can go to Mitral via uh, Twitter. You can also, if you were to do Mitral.com, that would actually take you to our Facebook page. So we are in the process of rebranding and and, uh, fine-tuning a bit of the business model. So therefore, we took down the landing page. But um, my name is Edward Carrington. You can befriend me on Facebook if you wanted to. If you're interested in learning more about real estate, you can follow us at uh, flux city underscore, uh, via Twitter and Instagram. So, uh, you know, definitely reach out. Um, my email is Edward at flux dot city. You can shoot me an email. And, uh, if you have any questions in regards to the e-residency or in regards to real estate, uh, or potentially in regards to, uh, Mitral, once again, we are fine tuning that business model a bit, uh, reach out and let me know. And, uh, we can grab a cup of coffee or something. Awesome. But you have probably, you know, we're probably talking to individuals, like, across the globe.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) So if you're ever in the city of Detroit, if you ever want somebody to drive you around and and show you, uh, you know, a couple of locations where you should buy some real estate at, let me know. Uh Uh-oh. Well, now you're (laughs) going to get
0: some emails. Uh, (laughs) Please be kind with him. Uh, And thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear how you decolonize daily. And uh, so you can email me at decolonizeyourdestiny at gmail.com. Thank you again. I'm your host, Ingrid LaFleur. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
1: Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store,
0: and Spotify. This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city.